0: Welcome back. It's another edition of the Wobcast 2.0, Episode 8, Bears Down. The Vikings stay on their winning streak by beating the Chicago Bears at home last week. And now they get ready for the Miami Dolphins. We're here to talk about it. The we is me. It's Wobby along with Giles and Chase with you for the next 30 or 40 minutes as we are set to talk Minnesota Vikings football with you. It's a fun time to be a Vikings fan with this team playing so well and winning some games. Their most recent victory came over division rival Chicago. We will get into what worked in the Vikings victory over the Chicago Bears. What didn't work so well that needs to be improved. Smooth sailing will be segment number two because that's what the Vikings are doing right now. They are sailing and it is smooth. We'll take a look around the rest of the NFC in segment three. And we'll take a look at what's next in segment four. So a lot to get to on the Wobcast 2.0 this week. And to do it, I'm going to bring in my partners, Chase and Giles. Hey, fellas, how's it going? What what it fantastic.
1: Yeah, How another you uh, Vikings W. Uh, any yeah. week we got that, I'm a happy man.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I know, I know Chase, you feel the same way. And, you know, in sharing some of our notes um, and talking about it here before we started recording, I, I think, you know, the, the, the glasses are rose shaded right now, uh, in Vikings land. And that's a good place to be because I can't tell you how many times, you know, in being with the team for 15 years, it's like before the season starts, you're like, ah, I just, I just hope we can start like two and out, you know, and then we'll see <laughs> what happens, you know, or wouldn't it be great if we were four and one or five and two at, you know, after the first couple of months, you know, and here, here the Vikings are in that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a chance to go to the game on Sunday and, and before the game, we went out to the tailgating lots and, you know, people have got these great immaculate, unbelievable setups, right? Where there's screen. So the Packers and Giants are playing in London at nine 30 and Vikings fans are drinking and eating and they're excited about their game. They think they're going to beat the bears. And and then out of nowhere, the Giants beat the Packers guys, you know, and I just know that Vikings fans went into the building on Sunday. They went into U.S. Bank Stadium with with a pep in their step, having just watched the Green Bay Packers lose. And I, there's no question in my mind that that enhanced the atmosphere on Sunday against the Bears. 100%.
1: Um, anytime you can be two games up on the Green Bay Packers in the modern era of football, I think – uh, you're on cloud nine. Yep. I mean, <clears throat> minus any catastrophic setbacks here in the coming weeks, I think this is going to prove to be very valuable come week 17 and 18 of this year.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I agree. So um, let's, let's get rolling here on, on the Wobcast 2.0 episode eight bears down. Vikings beat the bears. I'm on the road in Washington, DC. So looking different, sounding different, but it's, it's the same story here for the Vikings guys. It's, um the Vikings get another notch on their belt. And we've talked about this. It doesn't matter really how you win the games. It just matters if you win them or not, because at the end of the year, we're just going to count them up. And the ones who have the most wins make the playoffs. And and I think this victory is a little bit better than it was, than some of the other ones have been, but it's mm-hmm. still not a total complete victory. I don't like some things I saw in the second half. Um, you know, and I, like I said, I was in the building You know, and if Cam Dantzler doesn't make one of the best plays of his young career, I don't know what happens there. It looked like the Bears were driving to me. So um, with that being said, let's let's start on the positive side with what worked. And I know you guys have your lists as well. Um, I'll I'll start with one that I liked, and that was, you know, I, I don't know how many times we hear coaches and quarterbacks say, you know, we really want to start fast. Right. Everyone wants to start fast. We get it, but the Vikings started fast against Chicago. They were up 21, three. They had touchdown drives guys of 86, 75 and 71 yards to start the game. Mm -hmm. And I got some other things that are very um, on the offensive side of the ball that I liked, but generally speaking, starting fast, especially when you're the favorite and you're playing at home, when you do that, I I think, you know, um, you just have a very good chance to win the game. And that's what the Vikings did on Sunday. They started fast. They took a 21-3 lead. And I was never really thinking the game was in doubt after that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I'll, I'll mimic your, your thoughts there. And I'll double down on that and say that I think schematically, Kevin O'Connell is a mad scientist in the most positive way possible. Because uh, right now, uh, the Minnesota Vikings are literally first in Um, in uh, success rate percentage. So when you're on first down, are you getting at least 60% of your yards on second down are you getting, I believe, or I think first down is 40%, second down is 60 and then third and fourth down or you need to get 100% in order for it to be considered a success. We're literally number one in the entire league on success rate percentage, Um, which when you break that down on a play-by-play basis, it's not a lot of explosive plays I don't want to say we're dinking and dunking, but they're very, very short. Our average depth of throw is actually very, very small. Um, But I think that is very intentional based on the way that our our team is set up. It doesn't seem like that's necessarily Kirk checking down. It seems like it's schematically built that way where it's a death by a thousand cuts. Um, And I put a lot of credit on that for Kevin O'Connell, because I think not only does that allow us to move the ball down the field, it allows us to maintain clock. Um, or, you know, maintain, uh, you know, that, that uh, advantage on those, our side of the fence. I also think it allows our players to get wide open. Uh, but more importantly, I think it helps our offensive line. Our offensive line looked dang good this year. Yep. Um, I mean, uh, at least on the left side of the fence, everyone was in the 80s and 90s uh, when it comes to PFF grades. Um, I think, uh, you know, if you look at our o- overall entire offense, I think we're almost tied for third best offense in the league right now. So the point is, schematically, it worked very well.
0: Yep. And, and that, that leads into my second thing that, uh, you know, what worked Uh, my number two thing, Giles, you're, you're playing into it is play design. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've seen this throughout the course of the season, but I think it was really on display last week against Chicago. We saw some wide open slash easy walk-in scores Mm -hmm. for Justin Jefferson on the two-point play and for Dalvin cook on a touchdown run. Mm -hmm. Um, And just in in general, in general, some, some pretty easy chunks. I, I really like the run pass mix that we saw uh against mm-hmm. the Bears. The double pass uh from Jefferson to Cook. Uh the Jalen yeah. Rager touchdown, I thought was creative um and fairly easy. And then I already mentioned the two-point play. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good design down on the goal line where um Adam Thielen is running off coverage and Justin Jefferson is wide open in the flat. And this is, I think you're right, Giles. I think. I think Kevin O'Connell is in a groove right now Mm -hmm. with his play design and play calling. And this is something that comes and goes guys, um, throughout the course of a season for any, any play caller, you just sort of hit a slump every now and then where it's like, God, no matter what I call, it's not the right thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And you get into some other moments where it's like, no matter what situation we're in, I'm calling the right play. And I I don't know how it happens, but it just happens. (laughs) And that's where we're at right now with Kevin O'Connell. And it's interesting that it's happening to him. In his first five games as a coach, as a play caller really, um, I think that bodes well for the Vikings. Um, And we talked about this um, last week, Justin Jefferson and his inclusion. And um, this is is my third point of what worked. I think it's Justin Jefferson. The plan for him worked, 12 catches Mm -hmm. on 13 targets, 154 yards and he didn't get to the paint.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, ultimately, when you think about Jefferson, uh, and how that factors into the rest of the team, um, I I might be wearing uh, purple colored glasses here. Uh, but ultimately, uh, when I see all the different play designs that are happening, I also see a lot of other concepts that are available that aren't being utilized. Now, once again, that might be purple colored glasses, but, uh, you know, I see that as uh, Kevin O'Connell thinking long term with this offense, where I think they're intentionally intention designing, designing their first, their first reads, reads, where later down the season, if those things get taken away, I think they might reorder their their read yeah. sequence and say, yeah. you know what, it's the same thing, but we're going to throw something entirely different at you. Uh, and you can yeah. finish your comment, uh, Wabi, you broke up there for a second for a little
0: bit. No, no, I, I think you picked up right where I left off, but uh, I, I just think it's it's notable to me that Kevin O'Connell is, is, is in a groove very early in his coaching and play calling career. I think that bodes well for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the plan for Jefferson was good. I don't think they were overly reliant on him. Mm-hmm. I think that they played off of that. Um, and so especially in the first half, mm-hmm. I didn't like some things in the second half. So... If you guys want to get into more things that worked well, uh please do so. But uh before that, you know, I didn't like the late score the Vikings gave up right before halftime. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the missed field goal. I thought the Cousins interception was terrible. Mm-hmm. And throughout the course of the game, I didn't like the Vikings edge on defense. How they play on the outside. I thought the Bears got. I thought the Bears, with some guys who aren't that fast, I think they gained the edge. I thought I thought David Montgomery got outside a couple of times, and I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, you know. So if I could nitpick, those are some things I would nitpick. But again, the Vikings won the game. They're four and yeah. one. So um, and that's really all that matters. And I still, the Vikings are in first place in the NFC North. I think they're the second seed in the NFC, and I don't think they've played two halves of football yet. Not one time.
1: I think there's a lot of good leading indicators where our team is heading in a great direction but there's also things to nitpick and to to improve upon. And I would say one of those at least after the last game is tackling. To you see so to your point in the second yeah. half, we yeah. were horrible at tackling. I think we ended the game with a a 42.8 PFF grade which is fairly abysmal um and I think that was partially partially schematics partially players not being fast enough uh and and you know poor execution but the point is you yeah. got to be better at tackling I mean historically through this season although it's just a few games we've been moderately okay at tackling but we got severely worse in that game so I think uh if we can figure out a way to maintain we played pretty well in the first half and we can maintain that through the rest of the games I think that will
0: be um to our benefit yep so as we move in here to the next uh, segment, um, the next topic of discussion here, I, I think right now for the Vikings, guys, it's it's smooth sailing. And I, I don't think you ever want to get too comfortable in this league because weird things can happen and teams can jump up and get you. Mm-hmm. But four and one through five games, a victory over the Packers, undefeated in the division, um, and... And to me, three games coming up here where the Vikings will likely be favored. Mm -hmm. Um, They're at Miami, favored by week. They're going to be at home against Arizona where they will be favored. And -hmm. I think at Washington, they will be favored. And I expect them to be seven and one. And at that stage, halfway through the season, the NFC North is the Vikings to lose. And Mm -hmm. Green Bay drops another game last week. And I'm not going to count them out because they have Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur has, has won 13 games in three straight years and they get another crack at the Vikings late in the season. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to count them out, but the the road to the NFC North does not go through Green Bay anymore. This season, yeah. it goes through Minnesota right now at four yeah. and one with the victory over Green Bay. I think they're going to be seven and one. It's smooth sailing. And my question for you guys is what scares you, you know, and Giles, I know you're going to go over some PFF grades that are going to make people feel good. But before you do that, I mean, what scares you? Because I don't see a lot. I have three things, and I kind of feel like they're nitpicky things. So I'm not even going to lead with them. I'm just going to, going to open it up to you guys. What's there Honestly, to be scared of right now?
1: The, the first thing that comes to mind is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't mean that in the most literal sense. Obviously we lost to them and that was not a great game, um, but I would say uh, there's only one one uh, number one seed at the end of the year and there's only one bye week uh, and with home field advantage. And I think if yeah. Philadelphia continues on that trajectory, um, we won't be able to get a nab at that uh, at that home seed yep. or the home field advantage, which I think obviously has played to the benefit of the Vikings for a long time. Um, but I will say in a positive note, I think Philadelphia is clicking right now, and in a lot of ways, the Vikings are not yet, and I hope that the Philadelphia Eagles get figured out, and they maybe peak too early, and we yeah. maybe get the benefit of peaking late, which you, know, you would ask any football um, expert, it's much better to peak late than peak early, so I think that may come into our, our benefit, but ultimately, just getting that number one seed may feel a little bit out of reach if, if uh, people can't start figuring out the Eagles.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's a good point. And um, with, I, I mean, I, I've been to Philadelphia for playoff games and big games. I mean, that that's a pain in the ass, man. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's yep. like going to Minnesota. That's like yep. going to Seattle when it was a Legion of Boom. Mm-hmm. That's like going to New Orleans when they had Breeze and um, and they were really humming there. Yeah, uh, that that's not good. You don't want to yep. go to Philly in the playoffs. That, that's Arguably bad. the
1: most aggressive fan base in all of football. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's that's just a so tough good. space to be in.
0: Um, I don't love, um, the, the defense Mm -hmm. and I think there's probably some PFF stats and grades that would, that would counter my position here. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there are some Vikings defenders who would be like, you know, look at the scoreboard, you know, but I'm not in love with it yet. It's been good enough to help them win some games, but if it was really like a, what scares you thing, I would put the defense on there. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. convinced that they are um, that it's, it's well put together yet. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing that I think we need to watch.
1: I, I would agree with you. I think that should be a cause for concern. I would say it depends on the angle that you're looking at the team. Um, I can maybe even give a peek at the PFF grades, but it really it depends on your perspective. If you're looking at it in a vacuum where we are at um, through five weeks, technically we're a top 10 defense across the board. Yeah. Um, now take that for what it might be. You know what I mean? Some people might say that's good. Some people might say that's bad, depends on how you, how you compare that. But when you look at the trends, if you compare where we were at rank wise from week four to week five, unfortunately across every defensive category, we are declining. Uh, Except for run defense, we are still consistently third in the league. Um, So I I think that's honestly a positive thing considering where we were at last year. Uh, Run defense was a bit of a sieve. But now we have maintained our position as the third best run defense in the league. Uh, May not look that way in some ways. I think, like I said last week, I think that's more of an indictment against other teams. Uh, But in every other defensive category, we have declined um especially when it comes to pass rush and tackling um we've gone from like ninth in pass rush to 13th in pass rush against a relatively nominal team I don't want to say the bears are nothing because every team is paid 200 million dollars to go stop the other team right well, um but I would say we would all agree they're not a great team when a when you compare them against the rest of the league so the fact that we are declining in that category against a, a relatively putrid offense and that Comes from the Bears. uh, That's not a great sign.
0: Yep, yep. Um, And and, you know, I definitely give this group some grace here because there's transition happening. Mm -hmm. Um, There's new leadership and coordination. There's just a new scheme, Uh, Mm -hmm. um, even man front to an odd man front, and guys learning new positions. So I give this group room to grow. I give them grace here, but I, you know, I, I think they played some bad offenses and. Um, you know, if, if Matt Campbell makes a different game management decision, I think we're looking at the Vikings defense a lot differently after that Mm -hmm. game than we did. Right. Or at least, at least a lot, a lot more closely. So I agree. Um, I feel, so my last one about like, what, what don't you love? What scares you? I feel better about after this last game than I did, but it's the, you know, the alternative to Jefferson. So, Mm -hmm. If you get a smart coordinator with good players and a nice scheme who comes along and they're able to take Jefferson out, then what? Mm-hmm. That's a concern. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love Adam Thielen, but I, I don't know that, that he's the same Adam Thielen we've always seen. Um, I think he's great in this offense and I think he's going to be productive this year, but I don't think he can take a game over anymore. And I just haven't seen the Vikings use Dalvin Cook in a way that would make me think he's going to take a game. He's got the talent to take a game over, but I just they don't use him enough to let him do it. So like what's right. the alternative to Jefferson? I think Christian that's got to be. Out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, cuz yeah. I know the the uh, Carolina Panthers obviously have made a, head, uh, a relatively aggressive change at head coach and they're now uh, supposedly shopping a lot of their primary players, so maybe it's time to bring in another weapon like the Rams did last year. Let's go all in.
0: Okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> I mean, more talent's not bad.
1: I don't know if our salary cap would comply, but I think your the message of your your comment is definitely heard. Uh, you know, when Justin Jefferson's taken away, not only does that uh, really limit us schematically, but I really think that's a gut punch to the morale of the team because we are an offensive first team. And I think everyone on the team, both sides of the ball would recognize we are leading with offense and we're just trying not to train wreck a game with defense. Right. And if we can't get things rolling in offense, this whole thing can fall apart. And, uh, I think, uh, our offense is good enough to take us, uh, quite a ways, but I think our defense at least needs to stay where it's put. It cannot continue to decline if we want to go deep into January.
0: All right, Giles, walk us through some of the PFF uh, facts and figures that to you are relevant and meaningful. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, uh, we've actually cracked the, the top five when it comes to total uh, total teams. Uh, according to PFF, we went from sixth to fifth, so I think that's obviously a, a great nod um, to be in that category. But when we're breaking down offense and defense, let's let's talk offense first. Um, last year, or last week rather, we were ninth in total offense. And after our performance with the Bears, we moved up into the top five category. So not only are we a top five team, we're also a top five offense. Um, when you consider passing, we increased again. Uh, I think we increased in every category offensively, so that's a great, a great nod. Uh, uh, we went from ninth to seventh in passing offense and rush offense we went from sixth to sixth. we were you know in the same category we're we're uh, just outside of the top 10 the biggest leap though drum roll please is pass blocking i think schematically Ooh. and uh, coaching we went from 20th to 14th okay. um uh, christian darris i believe is the second overall rated tackle in the entire league he had a phenomenal game, especially on our left side. Ezra Cleveland's doing great. Uh Garrett Bradbury, can you believe it? He's rated as the ninth best center in the league right now. Pass yeah. protection last week, he had an eighty five point one pass protection grade. Which if you would have told me that beginning of the season, I thought you would be lying to me. Because yeah. last year he was in the forties consistently every game. For so for him yeah. to be in the eighty five uh range is that is I, I can't begin to underscore how important that is. That's huge. I, mean, you, I think that was huge. If it,
0: if I would have told you at the beginning of the season he's going to grade out for the season to be a 70, you, you would have taken that. Oh, 100%. I, w- I would have given
1: my left arm for that. Like, Because right. yeah. I I recognize, I mean, we've said this all season long. It's not helpful for us to project, what if we had Kyler Murray? If, what if we had Patrick Mahomes? The, the thing is, we don't have those people. We have Kirk Cousins. Love him or hate him, he is who he is. And if you want to win a game, you have to lean into his strengths and he's a dumpster fire when under pressure. So you got to protect him. And I think Kevin O'Connell has done a brilliant job at trying to make good strides in that. So um, other than the right guard position, I think uh, Ed Ingram is still learning. He's not doing the greatest from a pass protection standpoint. He graded out actually at a 31.5, which is not good at all. But at least for my eye test, a lot of those things are still rookie mistakes. So I'm not going to completely write him off. But I would say right now we're hovering just outside the top 10 from a pass protection unit if ed ingram can turn it around i actually think we can go into a top five unit based on the way we're performing and if we can keep it up uh okay. so the point is pass blocking we're, we're making some huge strides run blocking is improving as well we went from seventh to fourth um so we're you know top five run blocking unit as well and then point scored we went from 15th Uh, uh, to 11th. Now, I think for us to really go the distance, I would love to crack the top five uh, from a point scored perspective. But I do think as a side note on points scored, um, it is slightly skewed when you look at teams like the Lions who have put up just enormous amounts of points where it's a little bit of an oddity. Now this last last week they didn't uh, put up uh, any points, but I think the yes. message is still received. Um, it's not necessarily an indictment on the Vikings. It's more an indictment or, you know, a compliment to the rest of the league in getting some enormously high uh, scoring games. Uh, yes. So offense. Every category we're improving except for run offense. We stayed the same and we're, we're uh, at the sixth ranking. Defense. Okay. That, like I mentioned before, has gone down in pretty much every category. We went into the week at ninth and ended at 11th. So we are no longer in the top 10 from a defensive standpoint. Um, rush defense, we still stayed the same. We're, we're third, so we're still sitting pretty stout. Um, pass rush, we went from 9th to 13th. Uh, tackling was an area that we really, we went from 2nd to 6th. Uh, that game was not not great. So hopefully we can pick the pieces back up. And last week we talked about coverage. We were 26th. Well, we got even worse. Now we're twenty eighth. Uh, so we're okay. we're continuing to not be great at coverage and points allowed. We got worse as well. We went from thirteenth
0: to seventeenth. So yeah. um,
1: defensively, we gotta we gotta pick up the pieces.
0: And and Giles, that that's I I don't think we should just gloss over that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of good things to say about the team, and I think they're in a really strong position. And I I think, I mean, I think they're gonna win the division. Honestly, yeah, I do. Agreed. So, but minus injury yep but like those those slides on defense in a week where you played the bears i mean that's concerning you know that i mean we kind of joked the last couple of weeks about the bears passing offense like going into the game i think they had two passing touchdowns and and four interceptions and yeah and like 50 it, yards passing all season or something like that like just yeah. atrocious numbers that was not great i didn't like that second half on defense and I think there's just, I think there's some sort of phenomenon where it's like you're up 21 3 in the NFL. Like you're, they're going to come back on you. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to win the game 42 to six, you know? So that's going to happen. I just, I didn't like the way it happened. I didn't like how easy some of it was. About the only thing I really loved, I, I thought they got, I thought they crashed the pocket pretty well when they were coming after fields, I would agree I think fields had like, I think he was their leading rusher, you know, and those weren't designed runs. No, I they mean, were escaped. The those pocket. were scrambles. Right. Yep. So yeah, they didn't do a great job maybe of containing them or tackling them, but I liked that the pressure was there. That's yep. really about the only thing I like though on defense. Yep. So yep. I think things can get better there. You've just detailed that uh, with your PFF grades. And I think anyone watching the games with along with us, Giles and Chase would agree like yeah you know Zim's gone but the defense didn't magically get better because someone else came in there's still some no. some ground to make up there
1: I do have a, a one last uh, additional thought in the back of my head and I might be completely off this is me speculating a bit but it partially feels like they designed this offense to live uh, at least a little bit around Andrew Booth and Andrew Seen or uh, Lewis Seen rather and yeah. I think Obviously, neither of those players have really got on the field at all uh, for a variety of reasons, mostly injury, but it feels like they're like, oh, well, they'll be on the field next week. So we're just going to keep our our strategy and we're going to just lean into it. And once these players are here, it'll all be fixed, because Mm -hmm. uh, at least from when I was doing uh, draft analysis back uh, in February and before the draft, um, I heard a lot of people talk about Andrew Booth like they talked about Trevon Diggs, although he may get burnt a little. He's not a perfect player. He is a very... Uh, explosive player and he wants to take advantage of situations. And part of me wonders if they were like, you know what, we're going to play too high safety really deep so we can protect the explosive plays. Okay. Uh, And if we uh, get really stout at the run and we have a decent pass rush, we will at least keep them to intermediate stuff. And then if we can let Andrew Booth play like free safety almost like go pick off all your stuff. You know, you're going to get burnt sometimes, but maybe we'll get some explosive plays out of it. If they were planning on leaning into that, it's just, he couldn't make the field. The only reason I bring that up is I think for the first time this season, Andrew Berth is not on the injury list. He should, is, he's slated to play. So that's my saving grace, fingers crossed. Maybe there's a, there's a Hail Mary here, so to speak, where if you can enter in, maybe we can shift our strategy and lean into it a little bit more. Um, but that's kind of my my gut reaction to that, that maybe things shift um now that we have some different personnel
0: to put on the field yeah and and at this stage giles uh, chase i would say play those guys that you're talking about the young guys or the inexperienced guys no one is really just holding it down in a way where it's like ah, we can't take him off the field he's playing too great no yeah i don't think anyone's really there so would
1: you bench patrick peterson
0: i recognize Um, that's a hot take Cause he's gotten a bit slow. He's not, he's
1: not a dumpster fire to be very clear, but obviously kind of a a sensitive subject when it thinks, when you, when you think about putting Andrew Booth in.
0: I think you got to weigh that heavily, Mm -hmm. but before you do it, you got to be sure, man, because he carries some clout and some leadership and some swag out there that I think has value. So yeah, I agree. I'm not saying no, I'm just saying you can't do it flippantly you yeah, know like I agree. in the in the middle of a game and then then you do it for the rest of of the season i think it's got to be really intentional
1: i agree and i don't know if andrew booth could ever play slot or if uh, if uh, you know cam dancer could maybe fill in the slots so we could get all three of those players on the field I'm um, just trying to think about how you can get a little bit more speed because our entire yeah. defensive yeah. schematics are predicated on speed. And unfortunately, our speedier players aren't making it onto the field. When you think about linebackers, thinking about Brian Osamoa, obviously, Louis Seen is out for the season. Some of those elements that I think they maybe were planning on leaning into a little bit more, they no longer have at their disposal and they yeah. haven't they haven't adjusted quick enough. So something needs to change if we want to at least maintain a sense of relevancy and not tra- yep. train wreck the games.
0: Agreed. Totally agree. Um, let's take a look around the NFC, guys. Um, Philadelphia, cream of the crop here. Uh, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is feeling it. They have a lot of speed on offense. Love their pass defense. Very good home field advantage and a lot of mm-hmm. swagger. Um, mm-hmm. So when we look at at the topography of the NFC, Philadelphia at the top, and um, we'll see if Dallas can knock them down here a little bit. You know, that Dallas defense is playing great, and mm-hmm. those two teams play each other this weekend. That'll be a fun game to watch. Agreed. Um, sticking in the NFC East. Um, the Giants. I mean, Brian Dable, what a guy. Isn't it fun to see? It's fun to yeah. see. I mean, this is a, this is a franchise that was, that was in a bit of despair, you know, and they had a quarterback in Daniel Jones, who they took really early, too early to give up on him. They had Saquon Barkley, who we all know is so good. Mm-hmm. They couldn't give up on him. And, um, Brian Dayball comes in there and sort of gets some humming. Um, yeah. th- if the season ends
1: to today, if the season ends today, if Kevin O'Connell doesn't win offensive or a, a, a player of the year or a coach of the year, rather it's Brian Dayball, Dayball. hundred yep. percent. Yeah.
0: Uh, I agree. Um, San Francisco is a team. And I think we got to look at as a team that will be in it to win it in the mm-hmm. NFC at the end. I think they're well coached. I, you know, the Kyle Shanahan, like, fourth quarter choke jobs are well chronicled, but mm-hmm. um, I think he's a damn good coach. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good play caller. I think that defense is playing out of its mind right now. Mm-hmm. I think Garoppolo gives them some some solid footing, you know, mm-hmm. where that you didn't have with Trey Lance. I don't think he's got the upside that Lance had. But I think his floor is much higher than Lance's. Mm. I think they're another team with a bunch of speed. Um I would put the Vikings here with Philly, the Giants in San Francisco. And then I want to express a little disappointment in a, a team. And then I want to say some teams I've got some respect for. Um I'm a little disappointed in Tampa.
1: Yep.
0: You know, Agreed. um, I'm rooting for him. I love Brady. Um, I think Todd Bowles is a guy that would be fun to see have some success, but I am just, I don't love what I'm seeing there.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'll open it up to you guys after this, but I I look at Atlanta and Seattle guys and I'm like, if you've got them on the schedule, those are not automatic victories. Those two, those two teams, they play really hard every week. I think they're well coached. I think they compete. I yep. think they're very often they are outmanned from a talent standpoint, but they play hard. And those two teams, I think, will be players next yep. season. Yep. Um, and if you, if they're on your schedule in December, they might they might trip you up when all is said and done. So that's yeah. that's my two minutes on the NFC right there.
1: Well, and kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, it's maybe uh, a best-kept secret in the NFL right now, but the Seattle Seahawks are literally the number one passing offense right now. They're literally number one. Like, isn't that, like, who would have thought? The moment you get rid of Russell Wilson, things are going to start to pop. I don't understand.
0: That's this league, though. Don't you think? I mean, that that stuff happens in this league. Yeah. It's
1: absolutely phenomenal yeah yeah uh but i would agree tampa is definitely taking a step back i don't know i mean if it's uh off the field issues going on in tampa or there but they obviously are not clicking but knowing brady he is a uh, a late peaker, anyways so they're not out of the out of the dance yet um there's still plenty of time left but uh i don't think locking up a number one seed is in their future um so i think that's all to the benefit of the vikings
0: yep totally agree um are you okay with me putting San Francisco up there as teams who will be in it to win it at the end?
1: Absolutely. They have a stout, stout uh, offense and defense. I mean, I'll never root against Debo Samuel. He's, he's quite a player. Anytime he's on the, the, the football field, I think he's going to wreak havoc. So, yeah, 100%.
0: Yep. All right. Let's take a look at what's next for your Minnesota Vikings guys. It's, um, it's Vikings Dolphins in Miami on Sunday at noon, uh, Central Time. Looks like we will have, um, You know, we're not going to have Tua or Teddy at quarterback. We're going to have Skylar Thompson for the Dolphins. Um, And I think that should probably create some optimism and some confidence for Vikings fans. But I've just my experience in the league, I would say just be ready for the unknown here. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Mike McDaniel is a lot like Kevin O'Connell. Like, I Mm -hmm. think he knows what he's doing, you know, and... He's gonna go through his his learning curve and take his lumps as a rookie head coach. But I think it's a guy who's been trained well and knows what he's doing. And I think Mike McDaniel will have some things for the Vikings that they can't see coming. Un-unscouted looks, things you couldn't expect because you got a, a quarterback who, you, you know, who no one really knows much about. And so I think the key for the Vikings will be to be ready on the road in Miami as, as road favorites, be ready to take a big punch or two from Miami early on in this game. Maybe you're down 10, nothing or seven, nothing or 14, nothing. But be ready to absorb that and not lose your mind Mm -hmm. and not deviate from your plan. And let your talent advantage over the course of 60 minutes, let that eventually lead the way to a victory. I think that'll be the key for the vikings i think they need to be poised um i I think they need to stay healthy and stay hydrated so you don't have good players leaving with cramps but then after that i think you got to stay poised and stick to your guns and let your talent take over in the end Mm -hmm. make miami tackle dalvin and madison and then strike with jefferson when you can that to me is the key to victory but i do expect miami to compete and be Mm -hmm and have a lead at some point in this game. It's just the Vikings got to hang in there and then take it back.
1: Yeah. Cause beyond having a very stout roster on both sides of the ball, although they're out a quarterback, they have a very good roster. I think McDaniel uh, is it McDaniel or McDaniels? I forget his name, but uh, ultimately he is a mad scientist. Um, uh, if you've heard of the adage, like to get truly creative, first you gotta get a little crazy. I put yep. him in that category. I almost expect him to come out of the gate doing something totally wild just to throw us off. Um, yep. So I think it's important to expect the unexpected with him.
0: Yep, yeah, you're, you're right. And, and, and Mc, McDaniels has the training where it's like, he didn't you know there's a saying uh, you you woke up on third base and thought you hit a triple right like <laughs> that's not him he, he's yeah. come up through the ranks mike mcdaniels is a guy who's got respect in this league and i think he's well trained um and i i do not think that this is a pushover game uh for for the vikings i think they're yeah. gonna have their hands full here but yeah. i think they have enough talent uh to to eventually win the game yeah. um and then After that, they'll they'll be in first place at the break. Um, They'll come out against Arizona and Washington. I just think it's such a good scenario for the Vikings right now. I think they're going to win this game by a field goal or by four or five points. And I think they're going to be feeling really good going into the bye week.
1: I am very curious to see how we come out of the bye week because I know historically the Vikings have struggled a bit coming out of the bye week. They're coming out a little bit lethargic, um, so I'm interested to see Kevin O'Connell spin on how he motivates the team and gets them prepared uh, come
0: come the the week for the Cardinals. Yep, um, he will never ask for it, but if he did, my advice would be practice. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you want to give the guys the you know as much time off as you can but bring him in for a practice a day earlier than you thought mm. yep i i think long like like keep him fresh Check it out. you no know? yeah yep. you don't want to come back from turks and caicos you know you want <laughs>
1: yep don't want your leg yep. no
0: we don't want any of that so yep. have a practice yep. you know a, maybe not a day before you leave for the bye but come back a day earlier than you maybe normally would have
1: yeah
0: um You know, and I I think the Vikings will be fine. I think they're going to be in a great spot eight games into this season. I think they're going to be in a terrific position.
1: Yeah, and you're honestly bringing up one point that I didn't bring up earlier in the show, but I think anytime you're coming back from a different time zone, there's obviously some, some jet lag involved. And I think yeah. uh, it might've been Eric Kendricks that came out maybe uh, sometime last week, and he said they weren't firing on all cylinders until like Friday afternoon, coming back from London before the Bears game. So you mm-hmm. could make an argument that maybe they were just feeling jet lagged even into the game where they tried to come out hot, they they had planned very, very well, but they just didn't have the juice in them to carry it through the season or uh, through the rest of the game. So the point is, I'm interested to see what they do this, this week, Maybe there was just not enough juice in the tank, but also when you compare that to the bye week, doing exactly what you're referencing to ensure that we don't come into a game jet lag, that we are fully rested, fully prepared and ready to go, you know, take them down.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a big key here. The Vikings, I do not think should go into this game thinking they got it in the bag. I think Miami is going to give them everything they can handle, but I think there's just too much of a talent advantage on the purple side. Um, that you know they, they should end up winning the game. So we we will see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. It's an uncommon opponent for the Vikings. They see them once every four years. They're in Miami once every eight years. So it's it's um, you know it's a it'll be something new to our eyes uh, or to many of our eyes. And it'll be fun to watch and look if if Tyreek Hill plays and Jalen Waddles out there. I mean that's a challenge. It's a challenge yep. to defend and we may see some fireworks. So I'm excited to see this game. I do think Miami is among the class uh, in the AFC. Obviously, without Tua, they take a step back, but I think it's a very good roster and and a good test for the Vikings, so we'll see what happens. Um, No matter what happens, we'll be here to talk about it. Um, Next week is a little dicey, though, uh, honestly, for the WAPCAS 2.0, because yours truly will be in the Southern Caribbean, uh, floating around for a little while. So if I can get internet connection, I will join Chase and Giles, and we will record episode nine of the Wobcast 2.0, hopefully talking about a Vikings victory. I'm very much looking forward to watching this game, um, in a cabana or on the beach, or I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but, um, <laughs> I'm not going to be dealing with hail, which, um, executive producer chase tells me it's hailing right now, uh, in Minnesota. I'm not going to be dealing with that or any breezes of, of the cold variety. I'm going to be in the Southern Caribbean. So I'll do my best to join you guys so we can record episode nine of the Wobcast 2.0, okay? There we go. All Um, we uh, encourage you to subscribe and download um, the Wobcast 2.0 wherever you do that with all of your favorite podcasts, the Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, uh, at Wobby on Twitter uh, is where you can interact with me on social media. And of course you can always email the show, therealwobcast at gmail.com. That's it for episode eight of the Wobcast 2.0, the Vikings preparing to play the Miami Dolphins, seeing if they can go to five and one on the season and head into their bye on a winning note. For executive producer Chase and my co-host Giles, this is Wobby signing off for now. Skull Vikings.